Hey there, Angel Donovan here for another episode of Dating Skills Podcast. Today we're talking about designing your social life, your social lifestyle. We've touched on this previously in an episode with Brent Smith, but today we're going to go into more depth. The secret that isn't really a secret is that the best and most effective way to meet high quality women is through your social life, which is really a function of your lifestyle. Now this is in comparison to cold approach or online dating, which we've obviously covered on the show many times before. Most guys shy away from developing a social life or investing in their lifestyle, working on their lifestyle, because it isn't a quick fix. It doesn't seem like a quick fix. The cold approach, on the other hand, where you walk up to a girl in a bar or when you're out during the day, seems like a pretty quick fix. But the truth is that the energy and time you put into your social life and your lifestyle is always more rewarding in the long run. Yes, it may not pay off this week, but in the months to come, in a pretty short time, it will start to pay off. So if you get that mindset, and we ask pretty much everyone in the Dating Skills Academy, for example, to start developing this mindset, then the results and the rewards really come back to you in many ways, not just about women. I have to say also. So everyone should be working on this. Today's guest is Greg Greenway, who has made a real name for himself where it comes to building a social lifestyle. In fact, he's kind of known for having a jet-setting lifestyle. He's developed his own lifestyle primarily in two of the world's top cities, Los Angeles and London, which you'll hear about more in the show, details on his life and so on. We recently reviewed a couple of his courses, The King's Game, and The Social Supremacy Blueprint, which both got very good stamps of approval from us. So of course I asked him on the show to talk about social and social lifestyle. You can find links to both of these reviews in the show notes. Greg's passion for this subject really comes through in this interview, so I'm sure you'll find it entertaining as well as very educational. To get today's show notes, the interview transcript, and the MP3 download of today's show, you can go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast and just select the episode from the list. Or you can just go to datingskillsreview.com and click on podcast in the menu to find them all there. This episode's question is, what is the best advice on meeting women socially you got from this episode or elsewhere? Put your answer in the show comments and I'll pick the most useful comment to give a free coaching call to and access to the Dating Skills Academy, which is a members only site with video trainings and our growing academy community of members. So for an opportunity to get that for free, answer in the episode's comments, what is the best advice on meeting women socially you got from this episode or elsewhere? Now let's get into this interview. I'm Angel Donovan. And this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships. To become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned. Chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step-by-step, episode-by-episode. Hey, Greg, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hey, Angel, it's good to be here, man. I'm really excited about getting on this call and, you know, shooting the shit with you and, you know, giving some of your readers some really, really awesome content. 
Yeah, and uh, you have a great accent. We're not used to uh, the London <laughs> accent here. <laughs> we don't get it so often. Well, it was good to hear another Brit on the other end of the line as well. Like, it was, I was taken aback as well. All right, it's good that you recognize me, actually, because most people in LA think I'm from Australia. I don't know why. I don't know if that <laughs> happens to you. I know you were in LA too, so what's that about, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Get it. You know. Do you know what? I think they just kind of group um, all the Brits, the Aussies, and the Kiwis into like the same accent because yeah, I get that. I still get that quite a fair bit, but right. you know, it always happens when I've been in England for a long time and I come back to the states. My accent's a lot stronger, right? And they're just like, they have no idea where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got where you were from straight away. I didn't actually realize you were from London, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we're connected on that level. Um, we just reviewed one of your courses, and we're just about to review another of your courses. And of course, you've got a great reputation in the whole social sphere. So that's what we're going to talk about, um, which is an angle we've been looking to explore for a while. And we haven't really done it thoroughly on the podcast. So great, great to have you here. First, though, we'd like to get a bit of background on who you are. Who's Greg Greenway? How's his life been today? So can you give us a quick like highlights? Uh, how old are you? Where are you living? What's your lifestyle like? What's your dating lifestyle like? Sure. So I'm 30. I'm living in on the West Coast. I'm originally from the UK. Um, kind of give you a little bit of um, background into kind of how I got into all of this and just kind of like give you how the, it came about that I am now on this podcast with you, you know, it's, um, talking about and teaching your guys' social circle. So I obviously was born in England and for a very long time was really, really into sports, a uh, massive sports fan, was a professional athlete for a little bit. Um, had a horrendous injury, and when that injury happened, I pretty much lost my, you know, I lost my passion and lost my way of making money. And so, the only thing that I'd, I'd been good at while I while I was playing, one of my coaches had actually helped out by giving me tickets to some of the games. He was like, you know, I want I want you to make a little bit extra money on the side. Here's some tickets. You know, you can sell them, et cetera, et cetera. So when I got injured and lost my contract and wasn't able to play anymore. I still had these tickets. So I got into the whole selling sports tickets. And that went really, really, really well. And from that point, I started doing the whole sports hospitality thing for a few years. Then the recession hit. And the recession really tanked the business. And at that point, I didn't have, I didn't come from a background where I really had all the connections and I had all the, you know, because a lot of people in like the sports hospitality industry, like they had connections with like, you know, big businesses, big banks. They had, you know, people they'd grown up with, people they'd gone to school with. I wasn't really from that world. And I didn't really have a choice but to pretty much try and figure out how to get access to all the things that I needed to get access to, whether it was tickets to clients, whether it was people who could help me out. You know, I had to just get stuck in and just really, really, really figure everything out. And, you know, it was a pretty interesting process because those are effectively – um, the most important skills when it comes to anything hospitality based. And so I kind of threw myself into every type of environment, social that could possibly have. I had a really, really bad experience with um, an ex-girlfriend of mine that kind of went parallel to this. That you know, Because you know, it's funny how like, it's never one thing that really makes you dive head on into like what your life's going to be. You know, it's always like, there's a little thing that happens there and there's something else. It all kind of converges together to make you really, really crystallized and focused. And one of the things that happened, um, this was actually, you know, it was on my birthday. I'd gone to a, a nightclub with my um, girlfriend at the time. And she'd invited me down to this nightclub, said it's going to be a really, really good time. She knew this guy that was going to be there. And, um, you know, he was going to get us in. I'd never really been in the nightclub scene. I didn't really know anything about it. And she was just like, oh, it's going to be awesome. To cut to the um, to the club, we get there and we meet this guy that was supposed to help us get in. You know, this is her friend. This is a contact at the club, and he he wasn't much to look at. He he kind of looked like 
Uh, who's that kid in Harry Potter, the ginger one? He kind of like the ginger one, but a fat, the fat ginger Harry Potter kid. He okay. looked like that, right? right I got there. N- not really anything to look at, but it was ridiculous watching this guy operate because we were in a bar before we went to the club and all the bartenders, all the staff, all the girls, the managers, everyone just kept coming up to this guy and just like, they were just being very, very chummy with him. They were hugging him. The girls were like all over him. And I was like, wow, okay, this dude is not much to look at. But he seems to just captivate everything in the room. And at the time, I just thought he was some rich kid. I just thought, oh, he's probably got a lot of money. Um, I just don't know what was going on with him. And so we left the bar and went to go to get into the club. And as we got towards the club, I was kind of like at the back of the group. And everybody goes in and I get stuck outside. So this is like my birthday. And I've been stuck outside. Like my girlfriend's gone in, everybody else has gone in. I'm trying to like explain to the bouncer and I'm trying to explain to the door people Hey, you know, you know, this is, you know, that's my girlfriend, that's my group, and they're just not having any of it. They're like, no, sorry, we don't know who you are. And so I like stuck outside. It's raining. My back to my birthday is in January. You know how cold it gets in England, January. So it's <laughs> yeah. cold. It's raining. It's wet. It's miserable. It's my birthday, and I'm just like, oh gosh, this is, you know, this is a disaster. So I try calling Lauren, my girl at the time, and um, I call her, call her, no answer. I text her, nothing. Eventually, she texts me back, and she's just like, hey, you know, I try to speak to. Um, the guy's name was Jody, by the way. I tried to speak to Jody to try and get you in, but there's nothing we can do. I can't really come out and get you. Can you just come? Like, can you just come and pick me, pick me up later? And I was like, wow, you know, it, that was really, really, that was a real, real wake up call for me because it kind of just showed me that, regardless of whatever relationship that I thought I had at the before, this whole social scene, this whole social like this whole social world, I had no idea what it was about. It was just this entire world that I didn't have any clue what was going on. And it was so powerful that it made, you know, obviously I realized what was going on later. But for me at the time, I was thinking, this is so powerful. It's made my girlfriend ditch me on my birthday for this, like, for this world. So at that point, I was like, well, I've got to figure out what's going on there. And couple that to the fact to having to try and figure out um, how to connect with people and how how to network for my business, that's kind of where I really dove head on into everything social. Okay, so I had, I had the problems, I had the obviously disaster of my birthday, then I had the problem of losing my way of making a living. So I pretty much had nothing. I had no relationship and no way of making any money. So I had to think, and this was the only thing that I could see in front of me that was I could possibly even attempt to do. So that's kind of where it all started. And over the next few years, I started to, I read every single book that I could. I went to dozens of seminars. Um, I went to conferences and I really, really became like obsessed with everything social, obsessed with how do people work? How does interpersonal attraction work? How does relationship work? How do people build um, rapport? Why is it that some people, everybody's trying to get hold of them and other people don't? Why do some people have a full social calendar and others don't? Like what makes every single thing social tick? And as I just dove head onto it, I, you know, there was just patterns and patterns and patterns that I started to see. After a while, I've done it for such a long time. Um, I got an opportunity from a friend of mine who asked me to come and speak at one of his seminars. And I spoke at one of his seminars, just kind of giving my ideas and philosophy on the whole um, social world. And to be honest, all I really did was talk about my journey and how I was able to get access into different types of social circles and how I understood the social, how I understood social landscape as it was. And after that seminar, I had like loads of guys come up to me at the end and say, hey, you know, do you teach this? Can you help me out? Can you, you know, can you like teach me how to do this in my business? Can you teach me how to do this with my relationships? Can you help me get some more friends? And that was like eight years ago. And that was kind of like the birth 
of me becoming a lifestyle um, social specialist doing this. So that kind of takes us full back full circle. Because for the last eight years, I've been teaching guys all over the world, small business owners, entrepreneurs, even women, everybody. I mean, every, everyone wants to really use, get the most out of their life from a social perspective, whether that's for their relationships, whether that's for their life, so whether that's, whether that's for their um, social life or whether that's for their business. That gives you the, kind of a bit of a background of how I got into teaching this to people. Right. There's a lot of things I want to dig into uh, there. But first of all, that experience where your girlfriend basically dumped you for the social lifestyle on your birthday, that that's kind of hitting bottom, especially combined with the fact that you just basically lost your sports career shortly around that. You lost your whole career. I know that can that happened to me at one point as well, where I had to put my whole career in question. So it's kind of hitting bottom in, in some respects in two areas of your life at the same time. Do you think that's the reason that you've become so good at this. How important do you think that is? Because I know a lot of guys out there, they hear these stories of hitting bottom and some, some of these guys are in like bad situations themselves, like from their own perspective. And I know a lot of them, like the ones we coach, like sometimes they feel they can't claw out of it. But I think sometimes hitting bottom is the biggest driver to create the greatest life you have afterwards to develop the skills and everything. And most people that we have on this podcast have hit bottom at some point when they kind of snapped. What do you think about that? Well, to be honestly, I think, okay, if I look at all the, the self-made millionaires and billionaires in the world, so I love to read. I love to read. And I think that reading is one of the most powerful things you can do because like the most successful people in any form of life I've ever met, they're all really, really big readers. And one of the things I noticed about like a lot of the self-made millionaires and billionaires and people that are very, very, very successful, at some point in their life, they were broke, like dead broke. And at some point in their life, they hit rock bottom. And I what I think that does two things when you hit rock bottom. I think number one is that you no longer become scared of it because it's happened. You're like, okay, well, things can only get better from here. And so once you've experienced that, you've hit rock bottom. And if you can hit rock, if you hit rock bottom, which is I don't I don't recommend that people try and hit rock bottom to get successful. That's not a good idea. But if you hit rock bottom, then everything you achieve after that kind of puts everything else to perspective because you think that right, well, whatever I had before. I lost it all, but I can get it again. So that kind of changes your relationship with whether that's women, whether that's money, whether that's um, a career, whatever it is. If you hit rock bottom and then you can start to even get a little bit of glimmer of hope, a little bit of success anywhere, that changes your relationship with whatever that thing is because now you believe that, okay, well, I might actually be able to, it can come back. You know, it's, it's not that difficult to start doing it again. And the second thing I think hitting rock bottom does is that it forces you to focus because the problem with a lot of people and the problem with all of us, especially in like our generation now um, and in the world now, is there's so many bloody distractions. And if you can focus on one thing or you can focus on improving one area or you can really focus on getting good at one skill, then you will be able to get good at it. The problem is there's so many distractions. However, when you hit rock bottom, you have, you've got no more distractions. You, you know, you either have to do it or you've got no other option. So I think those are the two main things. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I think that's why so many people who hit rock bottom end up going on to be a lot more successful. A, because it changes their relationship and they realize, oh, well, okay, this isn't the end of the world. If I can even get some results out of this, that means that this thing that I managed to lose is attainable, that I can get it again. And B, you know, it forces you to have to focus on what it is that you really want to do and what it is that you really want to achieve. And I think for me especially, that was the big thing. Once I hit rock bottom, I had to focus. I didn't, I didn't really have a choice. You know, it, I had to look at things as well. 
the sun's going to come up tomorrow. So I can either just stay here or try and at least, you know, get like, because for me at that time, even one success was better than where I was. So one success, the first success is always the best one because you're like, all right, wow, okay, it doesn't have to be like this forever. And then that success leads to more. And then after a while, success becomes a habit. And even when you have bad times, you're like, well, I've hit rock bottom before and I've overcome it before. So it's not, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, absolutely. It forces you to focus. One of the things that I think on the same principle is that it just forces you kind of to let go. Right. Because like you're saying, there's all these distractions, these social distractions, maybe what your friends think as well. All these kind of things you have in your life, these fears. But when you hit bottom, it's like none of it really matters anymore because you're in a situation where you're feeling so badly that, you know, you just got to do something about it. And you start to kind of let go of things. And it's important to let go of these fears, these little things which don't really mean anything. And so I think that brings like that helps to play a role to bring you to that focus where you're just like, well, I got nothing to lose. Like I might as well just try this. And and then you end up with that focus and enables. And it's something that I'm guessing today that you have that focus still when you're doing projects or whatever. Do you think you're like you've been able to keep that focus, maybe not just for this part of your life, but other parts of your life as well? Yeah, I mean, I'm one of my biggest problems. I am notoriously difficult and focusing, <laughs> which is really unfortunate for me. So what I've managed to do is I've managed to go to a point where I can kind of be aware of where I'm going to go wrong. So I've got really, um, I, I work on processes to help me not have to, to kind of help me from myself, because I know that I'm not the best focuser. I don't focus very, very well, um, but I can focus for short periods of time. So I'll try and get as much done in the time that I can. But I think the book, uh, I'm trying to remember which one it is. I always get it wrong. It's the Malcolm Gladwell book. It's either, I think it's Outliers. It's, he's one of his books, Outliers. The one he talks about um, 10,000 hours worth of, um, yeah, Outliers. Now, yes, I'm not the, the greatest um, focuser, but the point, what I'm now, because especially with this, especially with like coaching um, and writing and giving talks about um, social circle and social training, I've done it so long and so many times that it's starting to become so much easier just to fall into a habit of it. There's a great quote I love from um, Stephen King. And he talks about, he writes, I can't remember how many thousand words he writes every single day, whether he wants to or doesn't want to. And he's like, even if it's total dog shit that I write, it doesn't matter. The fact that I'm writing every single day has turned me into one of the greatest authors in the world. And that there's got to be something said about just doing it, you know, just going out there and just continuously doing something over and over and over again. Like it just becomes so much easier. So I've made so many projects. I've written books about this. I've written courses about this. So whenever it comes down to talking about this area, whenever it comes down to creating a course about this area or working for a client or working for a student, because I've done it so many times before, it can just become very, very quick and easy for me to get back into it. And, you know, I'm sure we're probably going to talk about this later on. The entire system that I have for creating a social life or accessing a social circle, um, it's exactly that. It's a system. It's a process. It's like punching keys into a keyboard, right? It's very ABC. And whatever you're trying to figure out, if you can make it, if you can systematize it and you can make it a process, the whole thing becomes easy. Then you don't have to think about it. You just know, okay, I do A, I do B, I do C, I get D. Add that to practicing the thing, and you know you're you know you're gonna get whatever you want to get out of it. It becomes that's right, right. And then and then once you have some kind of system, you just repeat, yeah. repeat, repeat, and it becomes like a habit. Nothing will change your life unless it becomes some kind of habit. That's basically what you're talking about here. It becomes routine habit. Yeah, exactly. Great man, great man. So quickly, like a bit background on your dating life. Like how many girlfriends you had? Where you at in terms of the type of dating lifestyle you had? You have now. 
Um, well, okay. So I kind of fluctuate between having loads of different, like being in a situation where I've got loads of different girlfriends or kind of just being with just one person. It kind of, for me, it's always about the person. When I first got into this, I've always wanted to kind of just, yeah, I wanted to like, like have loads of fun. Yeah, I wanted to not um, be in a situation where my girlfriend would ditch me for a nightclub. Yeah, but, didn't want that to happen again. No, I didn't want that to happen again. But for me, it's always kind of been, I just want a really, really awesome person to be around. And so I've never been, this, I've never been one of those people that, um, well, once I started getting into this, once I started, you know, really concentrating on this aspect of my life, I always said I'm never going to settle because I've seen friends from mine, I've, you know, I've heard it from students. And I, the one thing I always said is like, I, I won't settle. So whatever it is, whatever relationship I wanted to get into, it always had to be um, on my own terms. And I'm not talking about it being on my own terms, like I'm some autocratic type dictator person. But one of the things I hate were to be in like a relationship or a lifestyle that I didn't choose for myself or a relationship or a lifestyle that I didn't want. So for me, it's always been about freedom and always really been about just getting into relationships and connections with people that allow me to kind of still have my own lifestyle and kind of be on my own terms. So that's kind of what I've always chosen. So, you know, whenever I'm with a girl, whenever I'm with, um, whenever any relationship I'm in, it's always about my path is always the same. I have a saying that you're the hero in your own legend. And that never changes. Like my path, my journey always remains the same. What I then try and do then is always try and attract women that are really, really awesome into that life who want to join me on that journey. For And with that journey, they could join me on that journey for, it could be anything for a night all the way up to a lifetime. And to me, it doesn't matter. It just as long as it's like, as long as it's fun for both people, everybody's having a good time, it's positive. You know, that to me is the most important thing. So that is where my relationship mindset is at. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's great because it's a little bit different to, to a lot of people. It's actually pretty similar to mine. And I think everyone has different approaches to this and the guys listening, they all have different ideas about what they want. And it's just great to get different perspectives on what people are happy with, what's making their life, what's working for them. And that's obviously working for you. And it's something that sounds like you've just been stable for a while and you'll probably continue doing for a while. Yeah. yeah being with the person as, as long as it works. And I also think that that works well in today's times, which are... ADD, um, there's lots of changes, you know, you've left London, you come to LA, maybe you'll go somewhere else afterwards. These kind of lifestyles, they're not great for 30 year marriages or, you know, yeah. because we're changing so much that we're not necessarily synced up with someone over a 30 year lifetime. Yeah. It's pretty difficult to be like that. So, you know, the perspective you give are like, it's, it's, it's adaptive and it's just focuses on the important part, which is, is it working between us? Yeah, but totally. And I agree with that. And I mean, it's at the same time, there's no one size fits all. You know, I've got a friend who has been with his, so I think he met his girlfriend when he, they met when they were like 12 or 13, they've been married for 10 years and they're happy. And I've got another friend who has two girlfriends that live with him. It doesn't matter. Like it, you know, and I've got another friend who literally is with a different girl every single time I see him. I've never seen him with the same girl once. And all three are happy. And so it's whatever, like you don't have to feel like you, you, you are pigeonholed into one specific, like I can't tell you what is going to make you happy. You can't tell me what's going to make you happy. You just got to go and find out what it is. And then at the same time, once you, like, once you know what it is that's going to make you happy, then in, encourage and bring people into your life that are going to share that kind of lifestyle and they're going to share that philosophy with you. There's no, the worst thing is to either force someone else's philosophy on, on you or have someone else's philosophy be forced upon you. Like that's the worst thing ever. So whatever it is that you want, luckily you live in a society where 
as long as you're a good person, as long as you're not hurting people, as long as you're bringing positivity into other people's lives, you can pretty much have whatever you want. Like whatever life you want, there is somebody else out there who would like to have that life as well. The important thing is being clear on what it is that you really want and not being afraid to say, hey, this is what I want. This is how I'm going. This is how I want to live my life. If you, as a girl, are okay with that, great. If you're not, well, I've got to walk away from you. That I think is really important for guys that, now, I'm sure you've probably seen this a lot with the students you work with, but um, especially with the guys that I've worked with on the dating aspect, I find a lot of them that they just want to have a casual relationship, but they don't feel like they can ever tell the girl that, so they end up lying. And that ends up, and that's just terrible because they end up getting with a girlfriend that they don't really want to be with. They end up cheating on her and doing all these you know, other stuff that's not um, that causes some negative feelings. And the whole thing just blows up where it would have been just a lot simpler for them to say, hey, I don't want that type of relationship. If you really do, then we should probably just walk away from each other now. And a lot of people are scared to do that. Or a lot of guys are scared to do that because they don't, they think that sometimes- It's fear. Yeah, it's, 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 it's scarcity. It's like, oh, there's not another girl who's going to come along. It's, it's that kind of mindset saying like, oh, I only have a few chances, so I'm going to have to lie and break loose rules and like, you know, do things that I'm not that happy with just to get this one opportunity instead of thinking there's opportunities out there. Like you say, that there's people with all sorts of mindsets that will fit with you and will work much better. And it's also, I think they don't understand that, I mean, they're not looking at the relationship globally. Maybe they're just kind of looking at, like, depending on your age, right? When you're in your early 20s, you're looking at it very physically, right? All young guys are pretty horny. So it's, it's a very kind of sexual like drive there. They're mostly thinking about that and that's what they want. But if you look at it a bit more globally, like you're saying, like the positivity and not having the negativity in your life, which, you know, over time you value more and more as you get more and more experience because you realize what a big impact that has on your life. Then you start to focus more on those details and understanding who's going to fit with you and trying to avoid these things like like cheating and, and lying, which cause like drama a lot of the time. Um, that's just not good for anyone. Yeah, completely. I agree. Totally. Excellent, man. So um, just to bring that up, because like a lot of guys, they kind of get into this and even when they learn some skills, sometimes they walk down the wrong path. So because they, they haven't thought about this stuff a lot enough. Um, they end up being less satisfied than they were to start with, or they don't get that extra satisfaction. And, yeah. you know, if you're going to learn this stuff, it's really to become more satisfied. So it's very important to keep this kind of thing in mind. Um, so mm. let's talk about your stuff, because that's the really cool stuff. And it's a little bit different. Um, first of all, just wanted to, because we're talking from a dating perspective, of course, a lot of guys are into like cold approach, what we call the cold approach is like walking up to strangers in different scenarios, whether it's bars, like they, and you never met them before. And that's become, you know, a big thing because of pickup artistry over the last 10, 15 years. I mean, it's been really emphasized and it's kind of like we've forgotten about the social stuff that used to happen before uh, and the social stuff that still goes on today and we don't talk about it enough. But, you know, we're great believers. I mean, like a lot of my, the, the women I meet today are socially, right? It just kind of happens naturally. And I know that's been your whole thing, right? And you've also taught other guys like Jason Capital and stuff that, and they're really, they think it's fantastic as well. So what would you say if you compared cold approaching, what you know about that to your approach in terms of dating? What's the differences and the advantages and the disadvantages and what should guys think about there? Sure. Um, I'm really, really passionate about this. And I'm probably going to, you know, I want to come back with some, some, um, some people say that my views are controversial. Some people really love my views. I'm extremely passionate about it. I don't pull any punches about it. Um, and I'm really like, there's no compromise with me when it comes to this. I wholeheartedly believe that the cold approach is just so inferior to social, the social way of doing things. It's like, I will just shy it from the rooftops at anybody that wants to fucking listen because it's just, all right, put it this way. Whenever I talk to, like, what is a cold approach? Cold approach is, um, like you explained, it's when you go up to a complete stranger 
and you attempt to convince that stranger to do something that you want. That is what it is. You go up to a complete stranger. Now, my entire philosophy is that women are supposed to chase men. Okay, now, that's my entire philosophy. And because you look in the animal kingdom, if you look at how it was many, many years ago, you've got a guy or a male, okay, who's really, really dominant, who's got his shit together, who knows what he's doing, is the ruler of the roost, and all the other females are trying to, trying to be the one girl that ends up with that guy. That's how it's supposed to be. Women love to chase men. They love it. They love to chase guys. You, you know, I've got lots of female friends, and when you listen to them talking, the single ones, there's always some guy that they're trying to get. And for them, they're so passionate. Like, they get so happy when they get that guy. You know, they, like they, you know, they go to, if it's a guy at their workplace, they, they, they get a new outfit, they start doing their hair differently. They do all these little things to try and notice the guy and try and get, get the guy. And they do all these little cute things to try and hook up with this guy. So women love to chase. What you do when you have a cold approach is you immediately remove the option of her chasing you because what happens when you go to a cold approach, um, and yes, there's a little bit more advanced ways of cold approaching if you have to than turning around, but we probably won't get that get to that today. But the majority of cold approach, it requires pursuit. Like you meet if someone's a complete stranger, you go and you start talking to them and then you start to chase them, whether it's for a phone number, whether it's for a date, whether it's for sex, whatever it is. That's how most guys do it. That is backwards. Okay, that just doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me because what think about it this way: Would you rather go for ten job interviews or have ten people call you um, to be headhunted? Okay, would you rather have ten job interviews or have ten um, applications hit your desk and you got to pick which one you want? Now that's the difference between cold approach and, and social circle. Like you could, if you have a social life or if you have um, a lifestyle where you've environment you've engineered it in such a way that women come into your life. Every single thing you do becomes so much easier. Because if you imagine like on a spectrum, like so you've got zero on one end of the spectrum, which is completely cold, right? And then you've got 100 on the other end of the spectrum. So sorry, zero is strangers, 100 is like a significant relationship, whatever that means to you. Now, if you go in cold, like if you've never met this girl before, you start at zero. Every there, do you know how many obstacles there are at zero? You could look like her ex-boyfriend. She might be having a bad day. There's so much going on that's got nothing to do with you that's going to affect that interaction. Now, if you come in what I call a warm approach, which is what social circle, uh, I call it social circle seduction. Social circle seduction creates warm approaches. If you come in a warm approach, then you are so much closer to a significant relationship than when you first started. Now, because when a warm approach in with social circle seduction, she gets the chance to know stuff about you before you even met her okay a lot of the obstacles are removed and when you start to really go after them the, like the really high quality girls like the re the ones who are the best looking the ones who have their stuff together the ones who've got good careers the ones who are emotionally stable they don't date outside their social circle very few of these girls will ever venture out and date outside their social circle simply because women set their social life up in such a way so that it does everything they need for it so all their friends are in their social group all the positive emotions or the support or the everything they could possibly need comes from their social circle. So what they then do is that they then date guys who are either, they don't necessarily have to be from that specific social, but at least connected to them in some way. And so when you go out away from that and you try and approach her completely cold, you know, you're just causing so many, you're just making it a lot, a lot harder for yourself for no apparent reason. You're, as a guy, you need to be doing your own thing. You need to be going on your own life. You need to be like on your own path to divert from your path. So imagine, okay, so imagine a scenario. You're a guy, you're on your journey. You've got to like, you know, you're ambitious. You're trying to figure your own stuff out. Now, 
let's say that you are, um, you know, whatever that journey may be. Now, you, you at some point in that journey, you, there's a girl that you are interested in. Now, you divert from your path to go and talk to that girl. What does that say about your journey? It says that you are easily swayed. And these things may not seem like stuff that's really concrete, but on a very subconscious level, it's what all women really like realize in their head when you stop whatever you're doing, you go and talk to her. Now, when you have something that's more important than her and you have you create your life in such a way where she comes into your life, that is so much more powerful. That creates so much more attraction. That creates a lot. You have a much higher value in her eyes. And it, it just works so much better and is so much more efficient for you. And I could go on about it for ages, but it's like the, the um, analogy that I love to give is that Imagine you had the world's greatest pickup artist. And I pick, like you mentioned earlier, pickup artist is a guy who can go into a bar and talk to a few girls and end up getting the phone numbers or taking one of them home. Okay, that's that's his whole MO. He can go up to a girl he's never met and get into a relationship, whether that's a relationship for one night. I just use relationship as like a blanket term for whenever two people are together. So whether it's one night or forever, whatever it is. Now, compare that guy, the world's greatest pickup artist, to a Victoria's Secrets fashion photographer. Now, who's going to hook up with the hotter girls? Now, this Victoria's Secret fashion photographer could be appalling with women. It doesn't matter. He's still going to stumble into a couple of good-looking girls in his lifetime. Whereas the pickup artist, if his life is not conducive to meeting the type of women he wants, he's only ever going to get what he runs into. So if you want a higher quality of women, if you want the women that you really you actually want in your life, then you've got to set your life up in such a way where you're going to be surrounded by those women. Not only will you have more access to the women that you want, but it's actually easier. It's actually easier to get with girls, to get sex, to get relationships, to get married, whatever it is you're trying to do. It's actually easier when these girls are in your social circle already or when you create a social life that funnels women into your life that means that you don't have to go out and cold approach. You don't have to go out and keep meeting random new girls because it's just a flawed system. I look at it like, it's pretty much accepted that if you want to be wealthy, right, you need to have passive incomes of money. You need to have passive streams of money, right? If the only time you make money is when you go out and you actually do something to make money, then if you're sick, you're not making money. If you're, you know, if you get fired, you're not making money. If you've got a passive revenue, right, you could be on the toilet, you could be sick, you could be on holiday, it doesn't matter, you're still making money. Social circle is the same thing. Social circle is to women what passive income is to wealth. If you are, if you've got a social life, you've got a social circle, you don't have to go out and keep trying to meet new girls. They just keep coming into your life. Okay? You just, you, they just come into your life. And the best thing about it is that if you set your social circle up properly, um, which is what I show you guys how to do in, in a number of my programs, if you set your social circle up properly, they come into your life with already positive views about you. So they come into your life, already know who you are, and already having a positive image of, of you. And if you, you know, and that can extend to them coming into your life, already wanting to be a part of your life. And that, blows cold approach at the world. I mean, it's not even fucking close. It's like fight. It's like sword fighting versus nuclear age. It's not close. Like it's two completely different things. Okay, so we're talking about lots of things there. Yeah, sorry, so, um, <laughs> yeah, man, it's good. You're a good talker. You're definitely passionate about this stuff. So um, you've got, you're talking about a lot about lifestyle and social. So is this redesigning your lifestyle? Like uh, I'm trying to, if we take it back a few steps to for the guys at home, if they want to start taking this different approach rather than cold approach, um, as, assuming they believe like you that basically an asset that works for you over time versus kind of expensing your time every single time and going back to start, which I agree with. Um, and that's kind of where, where I started changing many years ago. I was like, you know, 
I don't have time <laughs> to approach new women all the time um, because I'm so busy. So, you know, I need an asset. And in business, we think of assets. So I started thinking about this area of my life with assets as well. So that, like you're saying, it's the passive income thing. Um, in terms of actually setting this up, is, are there several ways? Because I hear you saying setting up your social life and I also hear you talking about kind of engineering your lifestyle so this this happens. Are those two different things? Are like, are there some guys who could do this by, you know, basically deciding to be more social and build social circles and, and putting effort into this like day by day, week by week and building it outside of their lifestyle, whatever that is? Or do you always advocate that you start thinking about your lifestyle differently and based on what you want in life, based on the dating lifestyle you want, you start changing your lifestyle and the strategy around that and so on? It's definitely the latter. So what you mentioned towards the end, that's exactly how you do it. You've got to think of it from the guy's point of view, right? If you are going to cold approach, then you're already, so you've already decided, okay, that's, that's the system that you're going to go down. You're going to go and you're going to, you know, maybe you're going to go to a bar and you're going to see a girl and you're going to go and cold approach her and you're going to, and you're going to try and get her into a significant relationship. Now, if you're already going to do that, it just takes one little tweak and you immediately start growing your social life. Um, let me explain. Have you ever heard of the um, the story about the two, the, the, the old cow, the old bull and the young bull? You ever heard that story? No. Okay, so there's there's two bulls on the top of a hill. There's an old bull and there's a young, and a young bull. And at the bottom of the hill, all these really good-looking cows that they love. Now, the young bull is like, oh, I'm gonna, why don't I just run down there and get a cow? And the old bull says, you could do that, but why don't we just walk down and get all the cows? Now, the, the analogy is that if you change one little thing about your approach, you could like you could go from having one cow to all the cows. Now, that's exactly the same thing now for a guy. Any guy listening to this, if you're going to go out and you're going to cold approach anyway, now, the processes it takes you to get a girl into a stage where she wants to go home with you or she wants to, or she wants to be your girlfriend, the exact same processes will make her your friend. Now, here's what happens. Rather than going out every single time and trying to get each girl that you like into um, whether you're trying to take her home that night, whether you're trying to get her on a date, rather than do that, just change your focus into, I'm going to turn this girl into a friend. Now, you can still sleep with her or get into a relationship with her later on. But if you go into the idea of, well, do you know what? I'm going to bring her into my social life first. Listen, she's going to have friends. Okay, her friends are going to have friends. Now, you don't know if one of her friends is actually better suited for you than she is. You don't know. So, and it's actually easier for her, for you to make her your friend than it is for you to actually do anything else. And women love having guy friends. There's so many good, um, there's so many like benefits for women to have that. Now, the problem is a lot of guys start thinking, uh, you know, I end up in the friend zone or that. That doesn't matter. If the friend, hey, the friend zone doesn't exist anyway. And especially if you are the one who's dictating the relationship, like if you're the one who starts, you know, when you go and meet and, you, and throughout your conversation, you're saying, you know what, you're a really, really awesome person. Um, you know, we should hang out again. Why don't you and your friends come to um, this jazz bar next week? I'm going to be there for a couple of my friends. It'd be good for us to all to hang out. All the difference is, is that instead of you getting her on a one-on-one date, what you've done now is you're bringing her into your social life. The caveat, yes, you need to start having a social life. You need to start looking around your town and your city and doing things that you enjoy doing, going out and exploring, going out and actually enjoying your social life. If you have that in place, which is always the first thing that you want to do. And, you know, I teach guys exactly how to start having their own social life based on whatever their interests are. This is a really important point, I think. You know, I think we find with a lot of the people where we're mentoring and coaching is that they don't have much of a social life or that 
they don't have a social life they're happy with. So maybe they're going to the same bar all the time and drinking, and but it's not really making them happy. It's just what they've always done, and it's kind of what all their friends have done, and they're, they're kind of stuck in that zone. So what would be your advice? It sounds like a really important point here because this is like breaking away from what they've always done for most guys, probably 80%, 90% of guys. In terms of changing to that social lifestyle, what kind of things are they supposed to be doing now are they are they thinking about hobbies or you know what what, what kind of things are they going to use to re-engineer their social life sure i mean it all depends on what the guy really really enjoys doing like the, first, the very first thing the guy's got to step back and just say what do i like and if you don't like anything then this is even better for you because you're going to go and just explore to find something that you do like but that's the very first thing you've got to figure out what it is that you like what do you like doing do you like golf do you like music do you like art do you like restaurants what is it that really you enjoy doing in your downtime you know is it computer games like you may just like playing video games there are a lot of hot girls that play video games you've ever been to comic-con in san diego right which is a com comic convention and they've got um sorry not comic-con e3 which is a big video i'm a i love video games it's a big um video game convention in san diego there are a lot of women there like there are so many girls there. So it's like, whatever it is that you're into, really figure out, what, like, what do I like doing? What do I enjoy doing? Then start to build your social life around that. Don't think, what would girls like doing? Because believe me, we live in the 21st century. Every single interest and hobby, guys and women and girls love. Women and guys love, sorry. And so... That's a really important point, man. Yeah, no, yeah. every single... Like, there's no... There's... And also, also the girls, you're probably going to get along well best with exactly. you know and so they have that gonna... a variety of interests which overlap with yours yeah exactly so once you you, know, you hit the nail on the head it's like the first step in engineering your lifestyle to be surrounded by women who have the highest likelihood to be compatible with you but if you go um you know if you start really looking into what do i enjoy doing if, if you're only going down to the bar every friday because that's what you've always done that's what you've always done and you're not really interested in that expand your horizons make a commitment so every single week, trying something new, okay? And it doesn't have to be expensive. You can just, if you live in a big city, it's easier. But, you know, wherever you live, you can just Google free activities and then put your city in, right? Just put, like, let's let's say London. It's easy to do, but free activities London. Or get the local paper, look in the classified and see what's going on. There's so much free shit to do. And there's so much stuff that you right. enjoy to do. And it's just, it just... Another thing you did uh, a few moments ago um, is that you took some hobbies and interests which typically we don't think are social right so you took video games for example yeah. which you know obviously a lot of guys like that and all you did is say go to the video games conference you know yeah uh, and yeah. that all of a sudden makes your hobby social and i'm sure like there's competitions there's all sorts of other social events around most hobbies that we don't think of you know we tend to think of like we're sitting at home playing video games but probably anything the guys do and they love at home has some aspect like uh, we were talking to a guy on our program recently and he said what are your hobbies what are you interested in he's like i'm really interested in meditation right now i was like well great because you know what there are groups who meet for meditation and you can go out and do that you don't like everyone thinks meditation is all about sitting at home or sitting alone in the park right but actually pretty much everything there must be some kind of social aspect to it and you've got a lot more experience than me with this but i imagine you've redesigned many lives around this yeah, anything, anything has got, I mean, use meditation, for example. Let's say that you've only ever done, yeah, perfect. Let's run with this meditation example. Let's say you've only ever done meditation by yourself. Like that's your only experience of meditation. You do it by yourself. And now you're listening to this, um, this podcast, this interview, and you're thinking, okay, 
how do I turn this meditation into something social? How do I then turn it into something bigger? Okay, Google meditation groups. Have a look at meditation meetups. If you can't find any, okay, depending on your personality. So this is a little side note. One of the things that I have in my program, in my course, is that I give examples of what you need to do, whether you are whether you enjoy being the center of attention or whether you're someone who's quite shy. Because there's two different aspects to take it. If you are shy and you don't like being the center of attention and that you struggle with that, then you're going to have to find a social group that already do what you want to do. If you don't mind being the center of attention yourself, then you can create your own social group that, from scratch. So that's just a little, that's just a little diversion. So re- whichever personality fits you, whether you're someone who likes being around people or whether you're someone who likes the control, then if you can't find a meditation group, create your own. We've got Facebook. We've got so many amazing opportunities for us to do this. Yeah. There's a meetup.com. You can start meetups on any any subject you want. Yeah. Meetup.com. You could start, you could go to, um, I'm sure there is some meditation group um, or meditation forums online that you could get involved in and start saying to people, well, you know what? Now, I really, again, honesty is the best way to go. You could, if, let's say you go onto a meditation forum and you start to get a little bit active in there. You know, and again, this is why I say it's got to be something based on something you really like, because if you don't like the thing that you're trying to create a social circle about, then this is going to be very difficult for you. But if meditation is your thing and you enjoy it, then you're going to enjoy talking to people on a forum about it. And once you start getting involved in that world, then be honest and say, hey, listen, I love meditation, but it can be kind of isolated sometimes. And I really want to expand my social group. Would some of you lot be interested in, um, I want to hold a like a, a meditation night at my house. You know, we can bring our mats. You know, I've got this really interesting um, meditation style I learned from some guru in India and I wanted to try it out. And, you know, it'd be, int- it'd be quite cool if some of you want to try it as well. Maybe next Thursday, we could all get over to my house. This is the address. We can do some meditation. And after that, we could have some eat and we have some food to eat, it'd be nice for me to meet some other people who are interested in meditation as well. That's how you start to create a social life. Okay, That's how you start to create. And then what's going to happen is that, um, I'll be completely honest with you, the people who are best, who one of the, the added side benefits of this is that 80%, maybe 90% of the people that respond to those kind of invitations are women. Guys are notoriously bad at responding to that type of invite, especially from another guy. It's always going to be the girls who are like, oh, that's, that sounds really great. You know, I'm happy that you're being forward thinking. I really want to show up. Can I bring my friends? The guys will start to show up later once they, once all the girls are there. But you, you're the one that started it already. So you already have all the benefit from being like the leader of the group. But yeah, that's just like a side benefit. Whenever you create a social group, whenever you create your own social circle, it always has an influx of women first because guys are a little bit, they just naturally aren't as inclined to be social with other strangers as most women are. You know, obviously there are some guys who are very sociable, but what I just explained with the meditation thing, if you did that in a forum, the majority of responses at first are going to be women. It's just going to, that's just how it's going to be. Then uh, slowly more and more guys will get into it. But, you know, that's how you create a social life, regardless of whatever, um, whatever interest that you have. And once you've created that social life, then the only next step is then to start, you know, Start the more traditional seduction with the girls that you're actually interested in. But the point of that is that you are much closer now to a significant relationship. You don't have to do most of the stuff that you would normally have to do to seduce a stranger. I mean, what the seduction is, the seduction is effectively just convincing somebody to do something that you want them to do. Now, if that person is already in a good level of rapport with you, 
rapport is one of the principles of influence. If that person's already in a good level of rapport with you, it's very easy to get them to do what you want them to do. If that person's a complete stranger, you know, you require a lot more creativity and a lot more techniques and a lot more tactics to get her to do that. So, you know, once you've got that social life, dating becomes very, very easy. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because I think guys probably have this fear that switching, like you said, like they fear that they get in the friend zone or that they establish this friendship and afterwards they feel like it'd be really awkward or they don't know how to go about transitioning that afterwards, right? Because they're in a social circle and they feel like friends. And now I think most guys feel like, especially if they're like a nice, nicer guy types, they're like, oh, I can't, I can't like hit on her or I can't do anything now because we're kind of friends, right? And they feel kind of negative about it. What kind of advice or practical tips can you give about that in terms of helping them transition or change their mindsets about that? Sure. Uh, we're getting a little bit more advanced now. And this is something that I talk about towards the end, like in the advanced sections of my program. Because, yeah, this is a concern that a lot of guys have. And they have a concern that, okay, this is great. My social life is a lot better now. I've got these, you know, I'm meeting women all the time. But I'm worried I'm going to get into the friend zone. The first thing I'll say about that is the friend zone doesn't exist. It's a myth. This doesn't exist. There are two zones, the no-sex zone and the yes-sex zone. That is it. It doesn't matter if you're a friend. There's a really awesome book, uh, well, not a book, sorry, it's a study, and it's called The 237 Reasons Why Women Have Sex. Now, in that study, they have 35 reasons why women don't have sex. He is my friend was not one of those 35 reasons. And this is a study of hundreds of thousands of women over like the last few years. Um, so really, if you can get, your, if you can get it on um, Google or Amazon, Really, really, really fascinating insight into, cool. into why women have sex. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, so really cool. fascinating insight into why women have sex. Anyway, um, he was my friend is not one of those reasons. You know, the only reason a woman will not have sex with you is if you're not in what I call her sex zone. And there's a multitude of reasons for that. And one of the main reasons for that is she doesn't see you as a sexual option. Now, the way I say that it's more advanced is that when creating your social circle, a, you've put you because you're dictating the relationship. The problem the guys have is that if they don't become a sexual option because they never tried, that is the issue. There's, I've got to do a bit more explaining so this makes sense. All right, so you've got two things working in any um, scenario. You've got attraction and arousal. Now, attraction is just curiosity. That's all it is, really. Like, if you, attraction is when a girl is curious about you, and on its own, it doesn't really do much. Attraction needs arousal. So what happens when you meet a girl is that initially there's attraction. However, if as she becomes your friend, as she gets to know you, that curiosity, which is attraction, goes away because she's no longer curious about you. Now, if that curiosity goes away and there's nothing else, that's when you end up in a no sex zone. So what guys do is that they don't have any sexual tension or any sexual arousal as the attraction is going down. So when the attraction, when the attraction and curiosity she has for you drops, if there's no sexual tension and there's no sexual arousal, then you become friends. Then that's when she has no sexual interest in you. You need to keep the tension and arousal there as the curiosity and attraction goes down. So as you become friends, as you become familiar with each other, if there's no tension and there's no arousal, that is when she's going to see you as like a brother. That's when she's not going to be interested in you. Now, if you create an environment when girls are coming into your life and they're becoming your friends, that's fine. As long as you keep the tension the sexual tension and the sexual arousal there, then there is always going to be an opportunity at some point. Now, that's the that's the big thing, the big word there, opportunity. You've got to make out to her that the reason why that you haven't taken the opportunity to progress your relationship is because 
you haven't decided whether or not you want to. Like, it's not because you're afraid. It's not because um, she hasn't given you the chance yet. It's because you, as the guy, are dictating the parameters of the relationship. And she hasn't done something. She, You have to create this vibe. This, um, You have to kind of give her this impression. Um, and you can do this with your words. You can do this with your actions. You can do this with how you talk to other people as well. But you can create the impression with her that the reason why she is still a friend to you is because she hasn't lived up to some standard that you have and that standard is what allows your relationships to become sexual so once you create that environment you have to say some really powerful things happen women start chasing you women become very sexually aggressive women do all kind of weird and wonderful and highly satisfying things to you to reach that standard and it all comes from the setup so that's why I say it's a little bit more advanced because it requires you then have, it requires the guy having to, again, look into what they really want to get out of the relationship. And once they know what they get out of the relationship, then with their language and with their interactions with other people in, this, in the social group, they can create like a, a bar. They can create a benchmark where girls know, all the girls in your social group know that for them to reach that benchmark, they have to behave in a certain way. And that benchmark is to get out of the friend zone. So you put her in the friend zone first. But the important thing to realize about that is that the friend zone doesn't exist. That the only reason you end up in the no sex zone is if you have an attraction level at the beginning and you let the attraction and curiosity drop, which will happen as you become more familiar. If that starts to happen and you don't have any sexual tension or any sexual arousal, then yes, you will end up in the no sex zone. And that's the area the guys neglect. They neglect the sexual tension and they neglect the arousal because they feel like, because the point of tension is that it is tense. Like when you create sexual tension, it can be uncomfortable. That's how you know you're doing it. And guys get into a habit of, oh, I don't want to have this this, um, discomfort here. I don't want to have this uncomfortable sexual tension feeling because the familiarity is so warm and fuzzy and I'm just going to stay there. Like, yeah, if you do that, then yes, you will end up in a no-sex zone. You can't leave it all up to her to do all the seducing and all the tension creating. But if you... Have you got any clear examples of the sexual tension in these in this kind of scenario? Yeah, sure. Teasing. Teasing and bannering. Anytime you tease a girl, okay, that's, that's, that's just one example of keeping tension there. What teasing does is that she never... It makes you not predictable. She can never predict what you're going to do again. And that keeps her on her toes. And if you tease her in a way that's playful and challenging and that has a, some slight sexual undertones in it, like, so, you know, let's say um, uh, a really, okay, here's an example of a really, really great tease that I love. Always reframe everything as she's trying to hit on you. So whatever she does, like anytime she does anything, you know, example, there's a guy and a girl, they're really, really good friends. They're supposed to go and meet for a um, friend's birthday. He says to the girl, you know, you meet, can you meet me at um, this bar first? We'll have a couple of drinks. She says, oh, actually, no, um, you know, I'm just, I've only would have got back from work. Is it all right if you come to my house first and pick me up? So I won't be able to get to that place on time. Now, if the guy is comfortable in the familiarity, you go, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come meet you. Now, if you want to keep the sexual tension going and you reframe that as her hitting on you, you can say anything along the lines of, listen, you're always trying to get me back alone. You're always trying to get me back into your house. You know, we're supposed to be friends. Stop before the hitting on me. Okay, I just threw that out there. But it's just one sentence, but it's a way of reframing her as being the sexual aggressor. That's just the way of creating tension. That's just one example. Okay, great. So it sounds like there's a lot of, because we've, we've, we've talked about sexual tension on the show before. So everything that we've 
probably heard about that applies to this situation as well. And guys shouldn't feel like, oh, this is a social circle situation that I should be acting differently in that. So that same sexual tension stuff that we've, we've heard about and we've learned about is, is also relevant here. It's all the same stuff, all the same rules. Yeah, completely. You have to be aware of the norms and values of that social group. You know, I mean, you, you have to obviously remember that this is still your social life. So there's like wherever there's a line that needs to be, that, that can't be crossed, you can't cross it. That's important. But yeah, I'm sure you, like you said, I'm sure you've covered sexual tension and sexual like and teasing and bantering at length before. All that stuff, yeah, you just got to keep doing it. You just can't stop once you become, you know, once you become familiar with each other. You have to keep doing it. That's great, great, man. Thanks for covering that. So that gives the guys, you know, an idea that it's it's pretty much the same, actually, as if you meet someone in a social situation versus cold approach. I, I don't think there's like a huge difference. You know, I've, I've been in these situations before myself and I think it's more the nervousness and the mindset that, ah, oh, this is a social situation. Maybe I shouldn't be like changing this into something something else. I guess the other thing guys think about a little bit is like, if there's a whole bunch of girls in a circle, are they going to be talking? Like, is it okay to hook up with a few of them? Or should there just be one girl? They, they kind of think out the scenarios like that and are concerned about those as well. Yeah, that, yeah that's definitely an issue that I get. The guy, I mean, it's, it's a quality problem to have and it's a, and a problem that, as the guys who get a little bit more into this, that's the kind of issue that they start thinking about what's going to happen. And I tell you what, are there any landmines in terms of things you shouldn't do in a social circle that kind of mess up? Because we've been building this asset, we've been building this new lifestyle, right? So I guess the worst thing we could do is somehow sabotage it. Are there any landmines or things you shouldn't do? Sure. Now, it, this more applies to a social group that you access. So somebody else's social, some, another social group that already exists in your access. So there's two types of social group. There's one that you create. Um, and, you know, I talk about this in my program. When you create your own social group, you create the norms and values of that group. Now, every social group has norms and values that it needs to survive. So these norms and values dictate how it survives. Um, a quick example would be if you had a social group built around meditation, for example, one of those norms and values could be that every week somebody brings a meditation book to the group. I, I, that's just an example. Like that could be it. Let's say you have a group of your friends. You know, you you have. Let's say you have your tight knit group of um, guy friends. A norm of that group would, could be you don't hit on other people's girlfriends. That's a norm and a value of a group. Okay, so if you create your own social circle, then you dictate the norms and the values. Now, when you access another social group, norms and values already exist. It is your job to identify as quickly as possible what those norms and values are. Now, once you've done that, those are the things you don't want to cross. Okay, you, if you, don't, you have to know, um, the reason I can't give you a specific example of what, which, because every social group has different norms and values. Right, right. But that's an important insight there, just in itself, because there are some social groups where everyone kind of hooks up with everyone. Yeah, and it's, it's fine. And it's, 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 it's kind of a free-for-all and it's perfectly normal within that social yeah. group. Within another social group, it can become a big issue. Oh, totally. It's drama and... Yeah, you've got to, when you're in that social group, you know, and I give you loads of techniques in the program how to do this, but you've got to, as soon as possible, identify what the norms and values of that group are. Because it's very, very important. Like you said, you don't know the spectrum is. You don't know what the criteria is. There may be some groups where you go in and it's, you know, it's completely normal for everybody to hook up with each other. And that's fine. No one cares. There may be other groups where it's like if you date one girl, you are automatically barred from dating all the other girls. And you don't know. There may be one specific girl that no one, that people are friendly with, but 
she's almost like, if you date with her, all the other girls aren't interested anymore. You know, it, you don't know. You have to spend, um, and you can do it very quickly, but you have to be committed to figuring out what the norms and values are. And once you know what those norms and values are, that is the big thing that you don't want to do. You don't want to cross them because only two things will happen. One, you'll get kicked out of the group, or two, the group will break up. Here's a little bit of insight into social groups. All social groups, whether it's a small group or a large group, one of their purposes is to survive. Okay, they, tr- they need to survive. And what they do to survive is they avoid all types of tension. So if you're a new person, you come into a social group and you create tension, the easiest way is to get rid of you. So they'll just, they'll just stop inviting you out of places, they'll just get rid of you. Other thing that will happen is if you come into a social group and there's like, let's say a lot of people like you, and then you cause tension, the group will break up because there'll be some people that don't want attention and some people that still like you. But whatever happens, when there's tension, the group splits. Whether it splits you, one person leaves, <laughs> like it's a big group and one split you, or it splits in half. So you just have to be wary of that, that you don't want to ever cause any real social tension. And the social tension is dictated by the norms and values of that group. So you want to figure out what the norms and values are, and that becomes the line in the sand. You don't want to cross that. This isn't like one of the mindset shifts that you have to get away from cold approach. And it's one of the, you know, I've got an entire module dedicated to mindset shift because I have a lot of guys that come into my program who have originally been in a very, very cold approach mindset. And one of the big mindset shifts that you have to have is that it isn't isn't a, oh, it's fine, I'll just go to another bar tomorrow. You know, you can't keep doing that in this type of environment. You've got to assess the situation first and then not overstep the boundary. In cold approach, it actually is advised to push the limits because that's how you're going to get better. In social circle, it's not because that's just going to get you ejected from the social group. So that's one mind shift, um, mindset shift that guys have to have when coming into this type of um, this type of uh, lifestyle. Greg, thank, thanks for so much for answering that question because I'm sure that you know it's a concern and that's a really interesting insight I hadn't thought of um, properly before. So it's great. We're running out of time here, and it's a shame because like there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm sure would be interesting to discuss <laughs> with you, like how to access like VIP social events. And I was also thinking like traveling. Like I'd, I'd love to have a discussion with you sometime about traveling. Maybe we can get you on a podcast uh, like another time to talk a bit more about some of the other subjects uh, related sure, to lifestyle I'm, and that. That'd yeah, be really sure, cool. Is. But for now, like uh, there's a few questions we ask everyone who comes on the show, just a little bit to get an idea of who you are underneath. Okay. What has been the best experience you've ever had in a relationship to date or with dating in general? The best experience I've ever had in a relationship to date? That's a good question. That's a really, really, really good question. Um, I mean, whatever is most meaningful for you, you know, that's that's what we're kind of trying to get at. Whatever, well, here's the thing. Not only that is that a good question, right? It's difficult for me to answer because, because of the type of person that I've become. I get very, very, very intensely involved in a situation and in that time. So I could have one minute where that one minute would be the best minute of my life. And I'm not, um, you said it very early on and it was very, very, very key. And I can't remember, like, you know, guys should probably go and listen to it again, but you said it very, very on early on about scarcity mindset. And for me to pick out one situation would, would kind of go against my abundance thinking because I'd say, well, there's only, that, that, that's the most, that gives it on a scale. Right. Whereas for me, there's been so mm. like I enjoy, I really just enjoy being really, really connected to someone. And that's not something that's only ever gonna happen. I don't believe that something's ever gonna happen once. I don't believe there's ever, ever gonna be one moment when I feel like that. So to pick out, I know this is like very woo-woo and not exactly answering the question, but to pick out one scenario where it's just been that amazing, 
Oh, no, it's difficult for me. I mean, I can say that the last, um, the girl that I'm with now, the last New Year's Eve, the New Year's Eve we just had, that was like a really, really, really awesome time. Like New Year's was really, really awesome. Um, we had a great time. Um, really, really connected. We're very, very, very happy. I could, I could say that, but then... Was there anything like, was, was it just kind of like the, the connection there? I mean, I know this is an example and I do get where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, not being able to pick. You know, what was it in that one example, for example? Is it the connection with the girl or is there, some, is there something specific that's meaningful to you? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was the connection with her, the fact that my friends were there as well. I just, you know, you're in a scenario where I was like, I, there's nothing else right, I could right. really want in life yeah. right now. I've got an awesome woman right here. got my friends here. I, I'm one of those people that really love New Year's because I don't look back like, oh, this great happened in my life or this bad happened in this year. I was like, shit, we made another year. We've got another awesome one to look forward to. That's how I was always like, I always look at the possibilities of what could happen in the next year. And to be in that moment and looking forward to possibilities and I'm looking at an awesome woman with me and I'm like, all right, well, there's awesome possibilities happening with her. I look at my friends. I'm thinking about all the, um, I had a couple of my like, friends who I um, do a lot of business with as well. And I'm thinking about the like business and financial possibilities. So it was just a perfect moment. Um, but like I said, at the same time, I can get that feeling sitting on the couch watching a movie with with someone I'm connected with. You know? So I, I can pull that one out because it was really good, but it's difficult for me to ever extract one particular moment because they're all important. You know, they're all, if you really live in the moment and just realize just how lucky we all are to kind of be where we are and kind of lucky to even have, if you're lucky enough to have connection with anybody and just kind of see that you're in that situation, that's a beautiful thing. You know, that's a beautiful moment. So being able to have that beautiful moment is, I'm thankful for that. You know, we just had Thanksgiving in America recently. And one, that's one of the things I'm thankful for, beautiful moments and just being able to experience it. So if you had to pick one, I'd say that one, the most, re- my most recent New Year's, um, 2013. And that's, that was a great answer to that question. Thanks very much because it brought some new ideas to people. And I completely agree with you. You know, you should actually be pushing your life to that stage where it's difficult to say, ah, oh, does anyone relationship or like experience that I had was the best because you start building so many, right? Um, every day is a new adventure. Every day's got some new stuff coming. Um, and and also I think I was just thinking, as you said that, I was thinking like, if, if you look back, some, some people, when they have an ex-girlfriend, for example, they get kind of bitter about it. And I think your mindset is the better one where you look back on that now, you're like, there's some great things about that relationship I really enjoyed. And I think sometimes when we finish with for whatever reason, sometimes when we finish one relationship, sometimes we kind of try and alienate it. We think negatively about, we think about the negative things. Um, and it's something in, that doesn't help us in dating and relationships in general. And I think you've obviously moved completely away from that. And that's, so you look at all kind of your, all of the relationships you've had and you haven't had to think of them negatively in any way. It's just like, oh, that was a good experience. That was a good experience. That was a good experience. And then your, your life really does get a lot more satisfactory when you're kind of looking at things that way. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a selfish thing. I mean, yeah, maybe I was taking that on a completely different angle from the way you no, look at it, but you know, no. it kind of struck me that way uh, when I when I because when I was younger, sometimes when I finished with a girl, I guess it was super emotional. I tend to think of it negatively afterwards. But as I changed and life went on, and I began to look at everything positively, now I'd say like you, like it's it's difficult to say like that was the best one because and it's the same with people are always asking me. I've lived pretty all over the place, all over the world, and every single girl I meet is like. Where's your favorite place? And I'm like, I have no idea. But early on when I was traveling, it wasn't, I was like, oh, this one's really good, you know? But as you get more good experiences, it's impossible to choose. So I think that says a lot about the way you're looking at relationships. It means that you've had a lot of good experiences with women and dating already. What you said is totally spot on. Um, At the end of the day, your negative emotion 
or any negative emotion after the fact only harms yourself. Like you have a choice. You can have a positive experience about it. You can have a negative. And you've got to to really start. For me, the change came when I started to like, I know it's going to sound very strange to say this, but this change came when I started to love myself more. Once you love yourself, you're going to treat yourself a lot better. If you think to yourself, right, I love myself. I'm the most important thing. And you know that a negative emotion that you have is damaging you. That damages you. Now, if you think that you're the most, you're the most precious thing to you, like, yes, there's a responsibility, you know, as we're social people to, you know, take your positivity and take your, um, your life and take everything good about you and use that to impact the lives of others. Yes, there's a responsibility to do that. But your first point of call is yourself. You've got to really make sure that you are, that you're star player, like on the, because it's your team and you're the star player of that team. And you've got to make sure that that person is taken care of. And a negative emotion is damaging you. So you, you have the choice. You can have a positive emotion about it. You can have a negative emotion about it. And if it means that you just have to forget, I'm sure that there are some scenarios and things that happened in my life that I simply do not remember for the fact that it was probably negative and I forced it out of my memory. That's how you have to do it. Fine. But the point is to, to, to revel or to live in a negative emotion, it only really ever damages you. You know, you can learn from it. You can take the positives out of it because the negativity is not going to change anything. It's end, it ended, it's over, it's, it's gone, that's it. You can have a good feeling about it, you can have a negative feeling about it. Um, if there's nothing good to come out of it, then use it as a learning experience and say, okay, well, the positive out of it is I now know what relationship to avoid in the future. You know, there's positives in everything. Absolutely. Ex- excellent points. Excellent points. Everyone take this home. Actually, like you just reminded me, I think there's a book called I Love Myself or Love Yourself um, <laughs> by um, an investor entrepreneur who he's made millions and he's, he's pretty well known, actually. And um, he got in some depression and he started chanting to himself to get out of it. Like, I love myself. I love myself all day long. And that was the thing that solved his life from there forward. And it's interesting because he's a very well-known guy and most people don't think he would suffer from depression given where he is in life and stuff. So um, anyway, I'll put a reference in the podcast today. It was an interesting book. Another question, who besides yourself would you recommend for high quality advice in this area of life, like lifestyle, social dating, sex relationships, anything? Um, Jason Cabell. Without, um, I've gotten to know him. Um, I don't know if your, re- your podcast listeners know him. I don't know if your readers know him. They, they, they know him pretty well. Oh, he's, great. He's, he's been on. I met him about three years ago. And I'll tell you the funny story how we met, right? So we have a mutual friend. And... Our mutual friend was um, going traveling around the world. And so we first met in Los Angeles. Spoke about two minutes. Um, It was at the leaving party of our mutual friend. Spoke for about two minutes. Um, Then I went to New York. And I was in New York um, on a complete understand. I just went to visit some friends. I went to a conference um, in a random bar in New York at like 2.30 in the morning. I bumped into Jason Capital again. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. It's like, it was like a week later or like four days (laughs) later. It was just really weird. I was like, oh, didn't I just meet you in LA? Mm. Completely unrelated. So we just got talking. We didn't talk that long because I was on my way out. He was on his way in. Then that was on like a Thursday. Saturday night, I'm, in, I come, I'm back in LA. I'm in Vegas. I'm walking out of a hotel in Vegas. As I'm walking out of the hotel, he's walking <laughs> oh in. And we, we just start laughing. Three different cities in the space of a week, just randomly. So we're like, all right, we obviously, when we get back to LA, let's sit down and have lunch. Because um, we actually see yeah, it's meant to be what I believe it's meant to be. <laughs> it's meant to and be. <laughs> we've just been friends ever since. And when I met him, he was very, very, very cold approach, pickup orientated. He's become a lot more social in his style since I've met him. But the very, very good thing about him is because he was so good at that pickup cold approach style because he's combined it now 
with the stuff um, that he, I know, I know, I mean, I'm, he, he, he'd admit it to you as well. He's picked up a lot of stuff from me and he's combined it. Something that's very, very, it's different to me, but it's very, and it's very, very powerful in its own way. And honestly, I have everybody that I've met. Um, he's one guy that just walks the walk, talks the talk completely. Like he is, um, he knows what he's doing when it comes to women, when it comes to life, when it comes to society, business, um, I'd recommend him to anybody. So he's the only other person. Like, I, the other guys who are good, other guys who are okay, um, but he's the only person who's on my level. And, you know, I've got very high standards for myself, and he's the only other person that, I'm, that I can confidently say has the same high standards. Excellent, man. Excellent. Great, great. I didn't realize you'd met like that. That's pretty crazy. So, yeah, yeah. if you'd, like, walked away, I'm sure, like, you would have met somewhere else. And you'd just like, okay, I give up. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, so uh, last question here. Like, uh, what would you be, be your top three recommendations to help men get results as fast as possible with women? Um, okay, number one, women want to chase. Number one, get that into your head right now. Women want to chase you. That's, the very, that, that's, I think, one of the biggest things a guy can realize straight away. Women are happy chasing. They want to chase. There are a lot of women out there that when you chase them, you you deprive them of the opportunity to chase you and they want that. They want that emotional roller coaster of not knowing whether you're interested. They want the satisfaction of making you theirs. They want it. So that's the first thing. Number two, concentrate on engineering your social life. Start to engineer your social life because if the, the moment your social life gets better, the moment you fix, you put your social life in such a way that it, it funnels the women that you want, everything becomes easier. You get the women you want, you get the dates that you want, you get the job that you want, you have the friends that you want, you have the adventure that you want. It's like the small hinges open the biggest doors. And this is one small hinge. Um, and especially like the, the way that I lay out my program, very, very step-by-step, step, something that anybody can go and learn and start doing within a weekend. But that small hinge will open a massive door and everything in your life will change. Your social life is your number one biggest asset, okay? And if you build that asset, um, I know we're talking about girls here, but and yes, it will it will drastically improve the quality of your sex life and your dating life. But it will also include, improve the relationships you have with people. It'll improve your family life, your professional, your friends, everything. Um, so those are the, those are the first two. Third one, I'll be the third. Third one. Uh, well, those are the two most important ones. Um, the third one, honesty. Um, not, you have to be honest. Whatever you're doing, be honest with yourself. Be honest with the girl. Be honest with everything. If you once you can really embrace being honest. What it honest about your desires, honest about what you want, honest about what you want from life, honest about what your standards are. Don't be afraid to be honest. Okay, that's a very, very, very important thing for guys. That's how you become a real man. When you can be honest about, hey, I don't want a relationship. Or hey, I, you know, I do want a relationship. Hey, I only want to have sex with you. Whatever it is, be fucking honest. Like you owe it to her, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to everybody around you to just be an honest human being because you know seven billion people in the world you will find enough that want to do the exact same thing as you there's no need to be dishonest to people so those are my three main things number one women want to chase number two concentrate on engineering your social life number three be honest greg thank you so much man it's been a information packed episode and you round up with some great points and i've loved that you brought some real really different insights out kind of sidewinder answers to my questions <laughs> so that, that's always great you know i love to see that and like I say, like, I think we've got tons to talk about other, other topics. And so let's get you on in future. It'll be great. Yeah, I mean, I'd be love, I love doing these. Um, sure, I'd be happy to come on again. 
I mean, this is probably one of the longest one, ones I've done, and we didn't. This, like you said, there's still so <laughs> we much. didn't cover a ton no, of stuff. Like dude, I can talk about this. All, like I said, I'm very passionate about this. I could talk about this all day long. Um, I mean, I do. I coach students every single day. Um, but yeah, at any time, you know, let me know uh, if it fits into the schedule. I'm happy to get back on here and to do some more. Um, it'd be great to share some more, you know, social circle tips, some more social nice love with you guys. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at DatingSkillsReview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.